What's going on? What's going on, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of the Callaway Sports Podcast. I am your host, Kim Callaway. I hope y'all enjoyed y'all weekend. It was Mother's Day weekend. I thank God for the mothers in my life. Um, my mother, my aunties, my grandmothers, my sisters, my cousins. I've seen them uh, really, really, truly embrace being a mother. They've been amazing mothers. And... Uh, once again, man, God bless them. I thank God for them. I thank God for all the mothers all across the world who is doing their job as a mother. But back to business, man. We have another great episode for y'all. We will be discussing who is a favorite for the NBA title. Along with other NBA news, we will be discussing which rookie in the NFL this year will have the biggest impact on their team. And of course, y'all already know, I got the fight game. Coming for y'all, man. Canelo with a big win Saturday night. We will be discussing that. But y'all know, y'all know how we handle things here at the Callaway Sports Podcast. Right before we get into this great episode with these great topics, I'm gonna let this instrumental play. A classic. Still gonna play by Big Pond. y'all let's get right into this episode man once again i hope that y'all had a great weekend man hope y'all enjoying yourselves i hope y'all will enjoy this this episode and these topics man but to get right into it man it's anthony davis returning to his top form these last two games have been very very good for him and a win against the suns Anthony davis dropped 42 12 and 5 had a big time block and a big time dunk to end the game to seal the game for him and it seems that uh, Anthony Davis is uh, really catching his uh, groove, catching his rhythm all over again since the um, injury that kept him out for about a month and a half, two months. And I think it's great for the Lakers, man, to you know have somebody to be able to you know really take charge and you know be a leader right now during these these this tough stretch of games. It's the real to, to be honest, this tough last month and a half, two months for him. You know, no AD, no LeBron. Schroeder has been hurt. Uh, THT has missed, you know, you know, a game or two. Same thing with Caruso. Um, you get drumming in, you know, and then he he gets hurt when he first gets there, and, and it's just been a lot of up and down since um, AD went down, and then when Braun went down. So to a point to where they went from the first seed in the West to drop into one of the playoff, you know, the the play-in seed. So we'll see how the remainder of the season goes for them. See if they can, you know, get back into real playoff. Uh, to, you know, you know, honestly, a real playoff seed, you know, possibly a fifth or a sixth seed, but you know, uh, my opinion, he has, you know, the Lakers have to get LeBron back first uh, to really do that, and not only that, they need Schroeder as well. I think Schroeder really um, improves their offensive game to a whole another level when he's out there with LeBron and AD, and then you, you know, fact in they have Drummond, but playoffs are soon, so I just don't, you know, I have doubt. I have concerns that they haven't really learned how to play all together because they haven't all been on the court together at all. You know, there there has been a drum and a shooter, a LeBron and AD very often. So uh, I'm eager to see what they can all do on the court together. But, you know, playoffs are close, man. And, and 
playoff time is, is very, very crucial. But also, man, um, is Rondo, what well, was Rondo the piece missing to make the Clippers more than just a playoff team, but a championship team? Since Rondo has joined the Clippers, man, I mean, they, they, they've been they've been on a very, very good run, man. Um, and not to mention that, you know, Kawhi is being Kawhi. Paul George is, is, is playing very well. A lot of people don't trust Paul George in the playoff. I'm one of those people. He still has to prove to me that he can, you know, play on a high, you know, play at a high level in the playoffs. But we all know what Rondo brings to the table. And, you know, we've seen it with, last year with the Lakers. And now we're seeing it with the Clippers this year. You know, Rondo's not one of those guys that's going to wow you with his numbers, but it's his impact and his, you know, leadership as a player that makes a team a lot better. And definitely that's what, the Clippers were lacking. I don't think Kawhi is a, a, a very vocal, big-time leader that, you know, a team needs. But adding Rondo to the mix, you know, Rondo can be that guy. You know, he's a two-time champion. And he knows he he knows what it takes to win. So to have a leader like that would definitely put them on a whole other level, in my opinion. But, you know... It all comes down to the playoffs as well. You know, playoffs is basically a different season, in my opinion. You know, once the playoffs hit, regular season don't matter. You know, so the only thing that matters from the regular season that goes to the playoffs is your seeding. You know, players become different players. Teams become different teams. Coaches become different coaches when it comes to playoff time. So we'll see um, how good the Clippers are with Rondo in the playoffs and also my only concern about the Clippers with Rondo is how how often can Rondo stay healthy, you know. Um, I'm hoping that he does so we can see the best version of the Clippers throughout this entire, you know, playoff uh, run that I hope that they can go on and I believe that they can go on uh, this season. Also, can LeBron and the James Harden return lead to a finals matchup between L.A. and Brooklyn? Me... I definitely feel that way. I, I I definitely feel that way. I do believe that having Harden, well, not having Harden for Brooklyn has been very, very tough, and I think it's hard for them to really catch a groove, and not only catch a groove, just, you know, really be at their best because with just Katie and Kyrie, I think they fall short of being more of just uh, a, mm, a two-to-three-pass, you know, team and an ISO team, and, and I've never been – a fan of iso ball, you know, Kyrie can facilitate at times, but I feel like in Brooklyn, that's more of James Harden's uh, job to, you know, really be that guy that's going to set the table for everybody else. So not having him is uh, kind of uh, kind of tough for them, you know. I think, I, you know, I wouldn't even say kind of, you know. I, I feel it, it, it's very tough for them, and they haven't really been on the court very often as well. So I would like to see them really uh, catch a groove as well. I would have liked to have seen it before playoff time, but, you know, who's to say that they can't catch that groove along with the Lakers within the first two or three games of, you know, the playoffs. But, uh, you know, it's something we have to see, you know. Uh, with LeBron, kind of like the same thing I was touching on with, uh, you know, earlier when I was talking about AD. We just have to see, you know, I mean, we know the impact that LeBron has on every team, on any team that he plays for. So, to get him back on the court, I mean, without a doubt, the Lakers are a better team. 
but it just comes to question of the chemistry with adding Drummond in. There was no AD. Wasn't really a LeBron there very often either. So it, it, it just, you know, just small doubt to see, you know, to wonder how they would play as a team. But truth be told, these are not only just superstar players, but, you know, all-star caliber, Hall of Fame type players. And we know that their impact to a team um, is is very, very high. You know, their teams need a James Harden. Teams need a LeBron James to be at their best and to not have them on the court. You know, it definitely takes a toll on your team. So I do believe that if all goes well, hypothetically speaking, all goes well, LeBron comes back, Harden comes back, and, you know, both teams can mesh well and play very well, then that's the final matchup that we will see, even with, you know, Rondo being in a Clippers uniform, but I, I don't think that that is enough for them to be able to beat the Lakers because I've seen the type of player that LeBron James becomes come playoff time. And if he's healthy and Anthony Davis is healthy and Schroeder is healthy, you know, and, and, and the Lakers are a healthy team and they have their key components, I think, they're, you know, they're going to be a tough team to beat. Same thing with Brooklyn with the firepower that they have offensively. There was a lot of talk about them defensively as a team, but when you have KD, you have Kyrie, you have James, you got a guy that can get you a triple-double in James Harden and still score 30. You got a guy in Kyrie who can give you 25-plus. KD can obviously give you 30-plus on any given night. I mean, you got three guys that can give you 30-plus points on any given night. doesn't matter about the defense uh, when it comes to you have guys that can just fill it up um, the way that they can. And with the way that the league is now, you know, but with it being a more offensive game, you know, offense really dominates defense these uh, sometimes in these games. So with uh, so, you know such a strong offensive team like Brooklyn, the fact that you have a Blake Griffin there, you have a you know they have their key pieces that can make them a very tough team to beat. Um, it's gonna be hard um, to really knock Brooklyn off. I see maybe some small holes, but you can't really say too much about that because they were, you know, they didn't have James Harden. So I would like to see them at full strength. I, I think everybody wants to see the Lakers and the Nets at full strength to see, you know, what type of team they would be. But last for our NBA segment is who is the favorite to win the NBA title this year? And uh, I have a list of teams written down here. I can't really choose one because two of the teams, of course, we don't know what they're, you know, we don't know what they're capable of as a very healthy team. But teams I hear people talk about a lot, of course, Brooklyn. You got the Clippers. You got Phoenix now. Lakers, Nuggets, Bucks, Sixers. Um, truth be told, if if and and, and of course you have, you you always have those teams that can you know sneak up and shock you and. The Eastern Conference, you have a Miami. If, you know, they can really stay healthy and they can really catch a group. I was shocked by the way that Miami has played this year. You have a Miami. You know, people, of course, are always going to say Boston. Boston is always a threat. In the West, I feel like those sleepers, you know, that, that sleeper team that can surprise you was Denver last year and it can be Denver this year. You got Utah as well. So... Why would I choose a team to be a favorite or which which team? I, I, I worded that terribly, sorry. 
which team I would choose to be the favorite, despite what they've gone through and, you know, people being scared and, you know, having doubt for them, I'm still going to choose the Los Angeles Lakers because they are the defending champions. I'm going to choose the Lakers to be the favorites um, because a team has to beat them first. And I just don't see a team beating them at full strength if, you know, everything goes right for them. Um, so that's why I would still choose the Lakers for that. But, but if a Lakers team can't get healthy and they can't stay healthy and they can't, you know, repeat, then I, I feel like it's, it's, it's pretty much simple. Then it, it, it'll be Brooklyn. I feel like Brooklyn would take the title uh, easily, uh, even with – Giannis and the Bucks uh, in the East as well. But my two favorites to win the title this year are the Lakers and the Nets, you know, hands down. So y'all let me know how y'all feel about that, man. But um, right after this uh, small, brief little break, man, we'll get right into my NFL segment, man. Y'all enjoy and y'all stay tuned. man NFL segment won't be very very long but we go jump right into it recently we had the NFL draft of course we had a lot of offseason moves as well uh, that have improved some teams and has has led to some teams missing pieces but that is what the draft is for because you try to fill in those pieces and things of that nature so with the draft being over with and the picks that have been made for certain teams I have a Small list of rookies who I feel would have probably most likely the biggest impact on the teams that would really take their teams to the next level. And y'all know with this, you know, things happen, and some guys um, really surprise you. But just on paper and, j- and just off of the eye test and what I feel that these guys can bring to a team, this is why I picked these, you know, this specific uh, player. The first one on the list is Kyle Pitts with – Julio Jones, a Calvin Ridley, and a Matt Ryan at quarterback, you know, they needed another guy that can really change the game and, and, and that can have a big impact on the game the way that a Kyle Pitts has. You know, I feel like he's a he's one of those guys that's a generational talent. And we hear that, you know, we hear that phrase thrown a lot, but not very often by tight ends, in my opinion, you know. I don't think people looked at Gronk and said, well, he's going to be a generational talent, you know. But when we see Kyle Pitts, he's not your typical tight end style or size. He's a tall, lean tight end that can run routes like a receiver. He can block for you. I mean, the way he can impact and change a game, change the course of the game, I think that's exactly what um, – Atlanta was missing, and, and and of course, you know, coaching and, and, and things like that play a factor, but as far as the players go, we're not even going to talk about coaching. As far as the players go, Kyle Pitts, is, it, Kyle Pitts was a perfect guy to add into Atlanta's offense. Julio, Ridley, Calvin Pitts, and then you have a sleeper guy like a, like, like a Hayden Hurst at tight end as well that can, you know, that can make big plays. Matt Ryan is a veteran season quarterback. So as long as he can, you know, 
get those guys the ball. I mean, I feel like it's smooth sailing for Atlanta this year, and I believe that they'll be a playoff team. Of course, they missed some things on the defensive end, but offensively, I think their offense can do enough to, you know, um, impact the game, you know. So that's the first on my list, man. Second will be Micah Parsons. He was selected by the Dallas Cowboys. I know a lot of Cowboy fans uh, that I talked to was were, were really looking forward to getting one of the DBs. If it wasn't a J.C. Horn, a lot of guys were really banking on a Patrick Sertan. Uh, I talk with my brother JD. Shout out to my brother. Uh, and maybe like three weeks, three weeks to a month before the draft, and you know he was he was banking on that. Hey man, we gotta get Patrick Sertan in uh, Dallas. And, you know, uh, and I know my brother. He's you know he's a football guy. You know he's a football guy. He will be on the show soon. I promise you. He's a football guy. And uh, maybe two weeks after that, he came back to me and said, you know what, man, I'm, I you know I would be okay with getting a Patrick Sertan. But a J.C. Horn in a Cowboys scheme, I think, would be the best fit for them. Sadly, Dallas wouldn't be, you know, they weren't able to get either one of them. They traded that, uh, the pick that they had, which was very smart. I felt on Jerry's decision and allowed, you know, Philly to get the guy that they wanted. And Dallas moved just, you know, just just a half step back and get the guy that they wanted that they feel will impact their team better. With the moves that Dallas have made in the offseason, getting a uh, – Keanu Neal over there and things like that kind of helped that secondary out. Adding a Micah Parsons in was the best possible pick for them. Yes, a J.C. Horner or a Patrick Tim was the ideal pick. You know, you know, people felt like they were lacking a uh, a solid DB. From what I've seen from uh, Dallas, I think Trayvon Diggs is a guy that you want to keep there. Of uh, of course. Um, a woozy a and those guys, you know, you don't have to have top of the line defensive backs, but you got to have guys who can at least hold it down. Uh, I feel like Philly, the Eagles showed that with their 2017 Super Bowl win. They didn't have a, a, a top DB, but they had a good enough defensive back, you know, defensive backs that can hold that can hold their own as a defensive line and linebackers really control the game for the runners and, you know, putting pressure on them and a the quarterback. Now with Dallas, defense was a Big, big issue for them this past season. But if you get Demarcus Lawrence playing at a high level, you get a J, um, a Jalen Smith playing at a high level again. Van Der Esch, you get him to stay healthy, he's playing at a high level again. You know, the way that Van Der Esch can control a game and then you have a guy that like Jalen Smith that can make big plays and Lawrence that can make big plays. You add a Micah Parsons in who can, who can run. You know, the field, the way that he can, sideline to sideline, great. You know, he, he, he moves laterally very well. He can stop the run. That's a perfect guy to add into that um, defense, and I think it'll definitely boost Dallas' chances in being a much better team than there was last year, of course. With Dak falling out, you know, we knew then that they wouldn't be a very, very good team. But even with Dak in the lineup, they weren't winning many games due to the lack of playmakers on the defensive end. They just drafted a playmaker. They just drafted a playmaker, a guy that can really impact the game. So he get in there, he get his feet with very well uh, and, and and very quick. He's going to make a big impact. He's going to take Dallas to the next level. Uh, next on the list, man, um, the Giants took Kadarius Tony as well, man. Kadarius Tony, I watched him along with Kyle Pitts at Florida. And I looked at Kadarius Tony and said, man, when you look at some of the receivers in the league, a lot of them are being, you know, are, are small, fast guys that can, that excel at run after the catch. 
You look at the Tyreek Hill. You look at the Hollywood Brown. You look at a guy like John Ross who can do it as well. You look at a guy like a Tyler Lockett that can do it as well. Add Kadarius Tony into that mix, man. Uh, Daniel Jones gets him the ball. They, 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 they've slowly improved their offensive line to keep him protected. They needed another target for him to throw at. Most definitely. That's what they needed. Of course, you get Saquon back, you're going to be a better team. We know what Saquon can do. But now you add another offensive weapon like a uh, Kadarius Tony. You add speed to that team. I feel like, you know, New York lacked speed. You get that with Kadarius Tony. You get a deep ball threat is what I, is what I feel that they've lacked. They've always lacked for a long time now uh, since losing to OBJ. You get that with Kadarius Tony, a guy who can, you know, really just provide a quick spark for you. That's Kadarius Tony. So to add him to that mix, I think he's going to uh, obviously make um, New York a much better team. And last would be Jalen Waller. You match him up with a guy that he's very familiar with, with Tua. You um, get Miami, a true number one receiver. I, I I like Devontae Parker. I don't think he's a wide receiver one talent. I think he's he's exceptional at being a wide receiver two. I think, he's, I think he did a very good job being a – you know, holding down that wide receiver one um, task and pressure this past season. But now you throw in Jalen Waller, who can, you know, help him carry the load. Two is going to, you know, be really the starter for remainder of the season. It's going to be great, you know. So, and 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 we all know what Waller brings to the table. Uh, even with him being uh, hurt this past year, he still was able to come back in, you know, and be a uh, – be a spark for Alabama and those guys. So, adding Waller to that mix, Miami has slowly built a great team with off-season moves and, and, and draft class and things like that. So, adding Waller to that mix definitely makes them a um, better team. Devontae Smith said it himself, I won't be high, you know, I wouldn't have won the Heisman if Waller played. So, it just shows not only the respect he has for his teammate, but it shows how good his teammate is. Everybody knew going into a the football season this past year that Waller was the number one guy, the number one receiver in Alabama's uh, system. Now he's going to be back with a familiar quarterback and a very good system. I, I, I love Miami's system. Waller, I, I feel Waller's going to thrive, man. These are guys that I just don't see folding under the pressure, man. And it's a lot of good guys. This is a very, very stacked uh, draft class to me. I love this draft class. But these are a few guys that I feel won't fold up, won't fold, but they will excel and, and, and really be um, key components to their teams. Um, a lot of you may be asking why I didn't say a Trevor Lawrence or a Justin Fields or a Trey Lance. Not that I don't not that I don't feel like they won't be a big impact on the team because of course the number one pick will be an impact on the team unless you just, you know, completely fold under pressure. But you look at some of the situations that they're throwing in, like a Trevor Lawrence, he won't be a winner off the rip, I feel, like he was in college and before college. Same thing with Joe Burrow. You know, you've seen how Burrow was thrown into the Bengals situation. And, and, and yes, he, I feel like the Bengals were better, and, 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 and I feel the Bengals are going to be better with uh, Burrow in the future. I feel the same way with, Trey, with, 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 with Trevor Lawrence. I just don't see him being that immediate impact that's going to turn Jacksonville into a uh, immediate playoff team because they still have holes that they need to fix that Trevor Lawrence has nothing to do with. 
and that, you know, th those holes being on the defensive end. Same thing uh, with uh, Fields. I don't think Fields has the offensive weapons right now in Chicago that's going to make them just a amazing team, you know. So, but will he be a true impact on that team? Most definitely, hands down. Same thing with Trey Lance. You know, most definitely, hands down. Uh, I just don't feel like, you know, a lot of guys need wide receiver ones. I feel like uh, Trey Lance definitely lacks one. Uh, over in San Francisco, Justin Fields has one in um, Allen Robinson, but, you know, they could also prove me wrong. But that's how I feel about, you know, these uh, rookies, you know, coming in. I feel like a guy that I wanted to put on the list was a um, Panay Sewell. Uh, but, like I said, Panay can only do so much. Uh, but these other guys that I, that I listed definitely can change the course and, 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 and be a big impact on the teams that they got drafted to. But another small brief break, man. When we come back, we will be tackling the fight game and discussing Canelo's big win over Billy Joe Saunders and what that means for the 168-pound division for the rest of the super middleweights. Canelo is one title away from being the undisputed super middleweight world champion. Coming up next, y'all. All right, man, let's get into the last segment. Other episode, man, and you know, I'm gonna let y'all go on about y'all day, man. Once again, I thank y'all for tuning in with me. Remember to share this podcast episode, get it to everybody, man, get it to those sports fanatics out there that needs to hear this. Uh, but Saturday night, we had Canelo versus Billy Joe Saunders, man. It was a, a very great fight. I watched it from start to finish, you know, I had to, man, definitely had to. And uh, going in, my you know, my expectation was. Canelo has grown so much since his uh, loss to um, Floyd back in 2013, man. He's grown so much since then, and I just always, even after that, I just felt like, you know, that loss to Floyd wasn't going to hinder him, but actually make him a lot better, and, and, you know, it has. But I've always felt like one thing that Canelo is going to be able to uh, do is, you know what, scratch that. What I've always felt was despite how much better he's gotten, Canelo will always, you know, have issues and struggle with guys who can move and, you know, that can box better than he can. Billy Joe showed that. Billy Joe got into a rhythm after about round three. Those middle rounds, Billy Joe started to move his feet. He started to land the punches that he wanted to land. He started to, he was making he was making Canelo miss more than what we've seen his, you know, last few fights, we've seen Canelo pretty much walk guys down, beat them up long enough until they quit. And due to that, and, and this is no, no knock towards Canelo, I just felt like his last few opponents have been guys who would stand there in front of him and just be punching bags. Not Billy Joe Saunders. Billy Joe moved very, very well. He made a miss. He, he you know, he took some of his shots. Uh, pretty good, but once he caught his rhythm, he was able to touch Canelo with a nice nice jabs, looping left hands, make Canelo miss, you know, and, and, and kind of get Canelo to follow him and chase him a little bit. Canelo uh, quickly, I feel like Canelo was in rhythm from jump. I feel like he kind of, you know, Billy Joe picking up his rhythm, knocked Canelo off of his just a little bit, just a little bit. But with Canelo, y'all, you, you always have to Look out for him and his timing and, and, and the way he stalks and walks you down. 
I just felt like with the shots that Billy Joe was landing, which were good shots, I don't think they had enough pop and, 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 and oomph on them to keep Canelo off of them and, and to really, you know, gain that respect of I can't continue to walk him down like this. And uh, I eventually felt like, okay, he's making this a close fight. He's making this a good fight. But along down the line, 12 rounds is a long time. Canelo may catch him with a good shot, and he did. Beautifully timed uppercut, counter uppercut. Pulled back. Um, Billy Joe got caught with his head down. Uppercut, fractured his uh, over the bone. And uh, immediately, uh, when I seen the punch land, I seen him wince. I could tell that. I said, you know what? That's an over the bone fracture. I, I I can immediately see it. The, you know, the eye darkened. And I was like, you know what? Uh, uh, it's not looking good for him. But, you know, he was picking up steam, picking up, you know, momentum and confidence. That shot right there. It, it it took every little bit of confidence that Billy Joe had away. Immediately he was on the um, retreat the rest of the round. I just knew that. I said, yeah, it's over. I mean, just, just, just beautiful time by Canelo. And it just brings up the questions like, right now, is Canelo invincible? He's pretty much passed every test with flying colors. He's passed every test with, 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 with flying colors within his last five fights. Triple G gave him, you know, tough, good fights. But ever since then, he beat Danny Jacobs easily. He beat Sergey Kovalev easily. Yodiram, Callum Smith. He beat them all easily. Billy Joe, you know, presented small issues and, 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 and things of that nature. But that was it. That was it. After that, he, he just, I mean, Canelo is Canelo. He, he, he continued to be Canelo, and he found his shot, and he ended the night with it, man. So it just brings the question, who can beat Canelo? And not only that, what is next for Canelo? Obviously, he said he wanted to not only unify, but be the undisputed champion at 168. There's only one belt left, and that belt belongs to the IBF world champion, Sweet Hands Caleb Plant. If you know me, you know I am a big fan of boxers, guys who can box, who can make their opponent miss, make them look silly, who, you know, guys who show ring generalship, that's Caleb Plant. I've been a big fan of Caleb Plant, and I do believe Caleb Plant brings a lot of troubles for Canelo if they do, you know what I'm saying, decide to fight later on this year. Now, I'm a very big Canelo fan, and I'm a very honest person. My honest opinion is, I believe Plant can hang with Saul Canelo Alvarez, based off of his style, based off of what I know he can bring to the table. He's a 6'1", 6'2", super, uh, super middleweight, fast hands, hard to hit, moves very well, and he's very accurate. Who's that? Who's that sound like? Oh, that sounds like a Floyd Mayweather. If you watch Caleb Plant fight, and if you haven't watched him fight, you will see what I'm talking about. My only issue with Caleb Plant is can he take the fight to Canelo, similar to how Floyd did back in 2013. Floyd was able to pretty much school Canelo back then, take the fight to him, make him miss, and outbox him. My, my other issue, and my biggest issue with this fight for Caleb Plant, same thing that I felt about Billy Joe Saunders. Do you have enough pop and oomph on your punches to keep a guy off of you? Everybody wants to say how you know Floyd got pillow hands. Floyd don't hit hard. Floyd got good enough punch to keep Canelo off of him, and he did. Was Canelo walking down and walking to Floyd 
walking through his punches all throughout the fight? No. And, 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 and when he tried to, he was missing. I believe Caleb Plant can really implement that same game plan and 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 and, and look to look to beat a um Saul Canelo Alvarez. I mean, truthfully. But I mean, it just all comes down to that. Right now, Canelo looks absolutely invincible. He does. And um it'd be tough for anybody to 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 touch him, to to beat him right now. But I believe Caleb Plant could be the guy. A lot of people want to see uh, um, David Benavidez. I, I think Benavidez brings the offensive, uh, you know, the offensive game plan to beat a Canelo, but not the defensive game plan. He's very easily hit, and uh, I don't think he'll be able to do it. But I believe Caleb Plant has the best chance right now. If not, then I would like to see, you know, a guy like Triple G move, uh, move up to, to 168 and fight Canelo for a third fight. I would like to see... Uh, Charlo move up to 68 and fight him as well. Those are the two fights I want to see him, you know, have. Uh, if Caleb Plant get, can't get the job done or David Benavidez can't. Also, man, uh, Devin Haney is his signature win coming soon, May 29th, I believe. He will be fighting Jorge Linares, former lightweight champion. And uh, when you think about those, you know, this this young wave of fighters, you think about a Devin Haney, you think about a Shakur Stevenson, a Tank Davis. Teofimo Lopez, Ryan Garcia. You think about that. You think about that Fab Five of guys at lightweight, you know, or in those lighter weight classes. Tank has a signature win. Teofimo has a signature win. I put an asterisk behind Ryan's win over Luke Campbell because Luke Campbell is a very, very good fighter. But... Will a Luke Campbell be a Leo Santa Cruz? No. Will a Luke Campbell be a Vasily Lomachenko? No. So he doesn't have. I mean, I would give him just a small leeway because he has a, you know, a solid name on his resume right now. But Devin Haney beats Jorge Linares at the end of this month. He immediately leap, he immediately leapfrogs Ryan Garcia in having a signature win. He jumps in the conversation with Teofimo Lopez, who defeated Vasily Lomachenko, and he jumps in there with Tank Davis, who defeated Leo Santa Cruz. Same thing with Shakur. Shakur just he he just lacks that signature win right now. And once he gets that, then he's in that conversation as well. He's already in a conversation with them as far as skills and talent, things of that nature. But now the Business out of boxing, what Shakur and a Devin Haney is missing is a signature win. Devin can get that, and not only that, you get that respect from the boxing community and promoters and and and, and fans and things of that nature, and your peer. You know what I'm saying? And the guys who will want to potentially fight you once you start putting names on your resume, that brings interest. Think about if you haven't seen it. Right after Canelo beat Billy Joe. Uh, Boo Boo, Demetrius Boo Boo Andre crashed his interview the same way he did Charlo years back and was asking, you know, when can we get it on and things of that nature. And Canelo let him know, you haven't fought anybody. You don't bring me interest. When you are the cash cow, you are the top dog. That is a big factor. Demetrius Andre, he's a very good fighter, but he has nobody on his resume at all. I don't know anybody that Demetrius Andre has beaten. That's how lackluster his resume is. And until he starts getting valuable names on his resume, 
Then a Jamal Charlo may want to fight you. Then a Gennady Golovkin may want to fight you. Then a Canelo Alvarez or a Danny Jacobs may want to fight you. You need that. So Devin Haney is in this position right now to put a very, very good fighter, a former champion, that can still fight on his resume. So look out for that, man. Uh, also, uh, the welterweight division is very, very quiet, man. We'll get into our fantasy matchmaking later on, but the welterweight division is very, very quiet. And uh, I'm waiting to see, you know, when a big fight will be announced from our champions or, you know, guys, uh, you know, one, two, or three in those rankings, man. You know, of course, Jerry Ennis just had a big fight against Sergey, uh, Sergey Lipinets. He got a very good guy on his resume now. Now he has some pool. But uh, hopefully we'll get some uh, soon. Uh, last, as far as the news, Fury and Joshua were signed, and uh, they have agreed to fight. I, uh, I I I got that news this morning. It will be in Saudi Arabia, August fourteenth. So the big heavyweight clash that we were looking for, uh, it's coming soon. So this summer, Saudi Arabia, August fourteenth. Look out for uh, Fury versus Joshua. Tyson Fury will be defending his WBC belt. And looking to unify the division with Anthony A.J. Joshua. Smile, brief break, man. We're going to jump into the rest of our fight game news, man. And uh, we're going to call it an episode. Stay tuned. All right, man. This will be the last part of the segment of our fight game segment. And uh, to obviously get right back into it and jump right back into it. It's a time for the Cowboys to ride off into the sunset, man. Uh... It sucks to see such a legend go through this, you know, rough patch of uh, a guy who will fight anybody and has fought any and everybody. Uh, it's time for Donald Cowboy Cerrone to finally call it a career. Um, I know it's painful and it sucks uh, to be in his shoes. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine to somebody who's as talented as Cowboy to really go through this tough stretch, man. He's lost five straight and uh, four of them have been by stoppage. So, um... Cowboys 37, man, you know, he, he's very battle-tested. He's been in a lot, a lot of tough fights. And just watching Cowboy fight, it's not much, you know, it doesn't take much to really kind of steam Cowboy. I mean, this is a guy who could really, you know, fight with the best of them, stand there with the best of them, and, and kind of, you know, go blow for blow and, and, and really be in these tough battles. And, and we haven't seen that within these last two years for, for Cowboy. We've seen decline of, of Cowboy, and I'm a big Conor McGregor fan, I had, I mean, I I wouldn't have predicted that he would have beat Cowboy as quick as he did, and that just, you know, that fight just showed me uh, that Cowboy has, has has really fallen on a real, true decline, and, and maybe, you know, if, if, if Cowboy wants one more fight, if he can't win his next fight, if, you know, if he decides to take one, then I think it'll definitely be time for him to, you know, call it a um, career. I mean, Cowboy's a bona fide Hall of Famer. Uh, he's just missing that that title. You know, everybody wants that belt, and I think his time, you know, his his, his window has been been closed to really capture that belt. I feel like that that window closed for Cowboy about two years ago. Cowboy uh, last title fight, his title shot was against uh, Rafael dos Anjos. In 2014, I believe, or 2015, and uh, I knew then if, if Cowboy couldn't beat Dos Anjos, his his next best attempt would be at the welterweight division, 
He got some very good wins at 170, but could never get over the hump. He ended up losing to Masvidal and, you know, things of that nature. You know, he, he started to lose key fights and uh, never could really get into the cream of the crop of that welterweight division. I You know, I don't believe he can hang with the top lightweights if he was to move back down to 155. I don't think he can hang with a Dustin Poirier. Uh, Gaethje beat him. Uh, Ferguson beat him. I don't think he can hang. Of course, Conor beat him at 70, but I don't think he could beat Conor at 55 either. Um, you got you got Charles Oliveira, Michael Chandler. I just don't think Cowboy is at that point in his career where he can still hang with the top guys anymore. But I do believe that, you know, it's something to, to think about for Donald Cowboy Cerrone. <clears throat> Next and last will be our fantasy matchmaking, man. I'm going to play fantasy matchmaker on UFC and boxing fights. I would love to see uh, come soon, and, and, and I believe that fans would love to see come soon. Uh, first on the list, man, uh, on the last episode, we discussed Kamaru Usman's big win over Jorge Masvidal, and I think it only makes sense for Usman to run it back with uh, Kobe Covington. I think, I think you know, that makes the most sense. I understand, you know, uh, Usman's comments on, you know, him being – the only, you know, the most active guy at 170. But uh, I don't think it's, it's, I don't think it's enough pull to say, well, Covington has only uh, beaten Tyron Woodley, you know, and that was last summer. And, uh, you know, he needs to, he needs to, you know, get another fight. You know, Kobe's the number one guy. And, and, and I think it's only right to, you know, run it with Kobe. Hopefully we get that soon. Hopefully by the summer, man. Um, next for the guy who Usman beat, Gamebred Masvidal, he said he's he's definitely uh looking to you know start racking up some some wins and hopefully getting another title shot uh, if he can. If he wants to start that off with a bang, you defeat the guy who defeated Tyron Woodley in his last fight and he has been on the roll. Vicente Luque, Luque uh <clears throat> defeated Woodley in his last fight. I believe Luque is like the number seven guy. In the uh, rankings, Masvidal's number five. And it's a very good matchup, uh, and I think it makes the most sense. You got um, Gilbert Burns fighting Wonderboy. You got Leon Edwards fighting Nate Diaz. Why not, you know, um, pretty much. And, and, and if you want to be honest, I feel like Usman and Covington are pretty much locked in for a fight anyway. I feel like that's both of their next fights. So four of the top five will be booked to fight. Masvidal will be the only guy who won't. Yeah, I put him in there with Vicente Luque. Luque is looking to, I'm, I'm pretty sure, crack, get into that top five. If he can beat Masvidal, then he's in that top five, and then he'll be in the cream of the crop. So it makes sense. For the guy that Vicente Luque beat in his last fight, another guy who people feel should call it a career. He's lost his last four, I believe. Uh, Tyron Woodley has been defeated by Gilbert Burns, Kamaru Usman, Kobe Covington and Vicente Luque. I think uh, for Willie to get back on track, he's the number 10 guy. You take on the number 12 guy, Bilal Muhammad. Muhammad is coming off a um, tough loss to Leon Edwards where he um, got his eye injured. I think that makes sense for both guys. I'm pretty sure Muhammad wants to crack that top 10. You go after the number 10 guy, Tyron Willie, and I'm pretty sure Willie wants a good win. And, you know, not just from anybody, but a win to get him, you know, just a fight to get him back in the win column. If he can get through Muhammad, perfect. You know what I'm saying? He will lock in and and, and be 
you know, locked in as that top 10 guy, number 10 and possibly number nine, but that makes the most sense for, you know, both guys. And um, for the new women's strawweight champion, I think it, may, it, it makes sense for Thug Rose, his first top defense to be against uh, Carla Esparza. Esparza beat Rose way back in 2013 or 2014 uh, on the tough finale for the strawweight title. As far as has won her, her her last three fights, so uh, I think it makes the most sense for them to run that back. A nice rematch, uh, and then uh, for the UFC featherweight division, you got a uh, a fight that's on hold right now between the champion and um, Alexander Volkanovski and Brian Ortega. I think it makes more sense uh, with. Of course, I feel like. Um, Max Holloway is going to sit and wait for that fight to, you know, happen. And then, you know, Holloway will most likely uh, get the next shot. <clears throat> so, Yair, uh, Yair Rodriguez, excuse me, wanted to get back into, you know, fight. He didn't fight uh, at all in 2020. So, he wants to get back in there. Put him in with the guy who Max Holloway defeated. He's very battle tested. I'm pretty sure he wants to get back in there, get back in the win column. Put him in there. With the Boston Bomber, Calvin Cater. That is a fight. Guaranteed fireworks. And it makes the most sense, man. Both of those guys are inside the top five. And maybe a fight or two away from, you know, a title shot as well. So, put them in there uh, together and, uh, you know, just watch Sparks fly. And as far as a boxing standpoint, I think, you know, as I stated earlier, the World to division has been very quiet as far as fights gone. We've heard nothing from a Terrence Crawford. We've heard nothing from a Earl Spence. We heard nothing from Ugas, Manny Pacquiao, Sean Porter, Keith Thurman. You know, those guys have been quiet. So I think it makes the most sense that the next big fight at 147 should be a Spence versus Ugas fight. Title unification. We know Earl is uh, holding the uh, WBC and the IBF. All he needs is a WBA. <clears throat> As well as the WBO, but you go after the the WBA, you get Ugas out of there, and then you know we can hopefully get close into a um, fight between him and Terence Crawford. Even though Crawford says that he's not chasing that fight anymore, if they offer Terence that fight and the money was right, I'm pretty sure that he would take that fight. That's a fight that needs to happen. Next at 147, Jaren Ennis, as I stated earlier, he defeated Sergey Lipinets in his last fight. He's looking for a big win. He, of course, he said, if I can get a title shot in my next fight, it would be great. But he said that I don't mind beating anybody else who I need to beat to get to there. Keith Thurman is a guy that that, that you call out, and Keith Thurman is a guy that you beat to do that. You, if you defeat Keith Thurman, a former champion, um, not only will it jump, you know, boost him in those rankings. It'll definitely open the eyes of the real cream of the crop at 147, a Earl Spence, a Ugas, a Terrence Crawford, a Sean Porter. You know, then they'll say, oh, well, you know, this young kid coming. You know, Ennis is, I mean, he, he he's great, man. He, he's he's the next big thing at 147. So, and and I feel like if, if he get one, if, if he can beat one of those guys, like a Keith Thurman, if, if Danny Garcia decides to stay at 47, he fights Danny. Or, you know, somebody like that. And Mike, you know what I'm saying? Even if it's Mikey Garcia, you get one of those good names on, on your resume. You got Lippinets, who's a, you know, a solid guy. But you get one of those top guys. Like I stated earlier, you're bringing some pool now. Next will be another 147-pound fight. I, we got to make something out of 147, man. You know, some doors need to be open and some need to be closed. But we need to start getting some of these big fights where the best is fighting the best. 
gotta be Porter versus Bud, man. Sean Porter should not take any other fight that's not a title fight. So, if, if Sean Porter doesn't get that fight with Terrence Crawford, if I'm Sean Porter, I'll sit back and wait and see if, um, you know, you can wait on a um, Spence and Ugas fight. If not, run it back with Ugas. You beat uh, Ugas, uh, what was that, 2019? See if you can get a WBA title fight against uh, him. You know, I'm pretty sure Ugas felt that he beat you. And, and I mean, it's a good fight. It's a very good fight. So, that fight makes sense, man. But, if I'm Sean Porter, your next fight's got to be a title fight. Next will be, uh, of course, Caleb Plant versus Canelo Alvarez, man. It makes the most sense. Canelo said he won all the belts at 168. Caleb Plant did the right thing. <clears throat> he uh, took care of all his mentors. Took care of all his mentors where he's free to fight pretty much anybody at 168 that he wants to. You want the big money fight? It's Canelo Alvarez. Take it. You know, that's a fight to make. You know, there, there's nothing else to be said about that. And last on the list, we go to jump into the heavyweight division. Andy Ruiz beat Chris Areola uh, about two two Saturdays ago, I believe. And uh, people are asking, you know, what should be next for him? Should he run it back with Chris Areola? It was a very entertaining fight. Should he fight Deontay Wilder? No, to both of those. Andy Ruiz's next fight should be against none other than Luis King Kong Ortiz. It makes sense. It's... A very good fight, man. Very good fight. Two guys who's looking to get back in the title picture. I feel like Wilder, even though he got beat by Fury in his last fight, his next fight should be for the belts as well. But for those guys that, that that's maybe a fight or two away, Ruiz beating Areola, solid. Ortiz, winning his last fight the way he did, and if he gets a good, solid name on his resume, uh, Andy Ruiz, you get some pull, and one of these champions at um, heavyweight will look to take you on then, so... But that is my podcast episode for this lovely Monday morning, uh, man. So thank y'all for tuning in once again. This has been your host, Kenny Calloway. This has been Calloway Sports. Remember to share this video and tune in next week. Playoffs will be starting soon, man. I'm going to have some good news on that. We're going to end with this instrument, man. Y'all have a good day, man. <laughs>